What do you call that noise? Hello, everybody. Um, I've been having great fun actually watching early on, watching everybody's uh, comments uh, on on the side of the YouTube uh, video. So I'm hoping to look and join back uh, with you fairly soon. Uh, But first, welcome to a special XTC convention edition of What Do You Call That Noise? The XTC podcast, this time with moving pictures. Uh, Thank you very much to the fabulous and tireless organisers of the XTC convention for inviting us here this evening. That's Mike, Steve, Julie, Daryl, Rachel and Joe and DJ Ivan. Brilliant work, everybody. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, My name is Mark Fisher, and I'm the editor of this book, Visual Aid, the XTC Bumper Book of Fun for Boys and Girls, which is an anthology of Limelight, which is the fanzine I produced as a youth. And the bumper book wouldn't have happened if I hadn't met our first guest tonight, who is Joanna Neary. Hello, Joe. Hiya. Um, In her 2016 Edinburgh Fringe show, Joanna Neary Does Animals and Men, Jo sang a song called Human Farm, which was a brilliant pastiche of XTC's first five albums. And it was because Jo said she'd like to see my old fanzine that I had the idea of republishing them all as a book. Uh, Jo, thank you for that. Will you tell us about Human Farm? So I've got a very talented friend called Glenn Richardson who writes songs for me because I love singing and dancing in my shows and he's too shy to do that always. Although he wasn't a double act with Paul Putner. Anyway, um, he wrote me a song called Human Farm, which was a fantastic uh, song all about uh, um, eating meat and supermarkets being like a farm and the supermarket only being like a farmer. And um, I tried dressing up as um, Andy Partridge, which didn't really work. And then I decided to do it from the point of view of a fan who loves uh, XTC so much that she doesn't want to marry them, she wants to be them. So I was able to wear like a flesh-coloured bodysuit and go nuts to make it funny. So instead of just being like a impression as best I could of Andy Partridge, it was a, a bonkers um, fan um, pretending to be Andy. <laughs> and I can remember being in the audience of that show and thinking, I'm surely the only person here who gets this joke, but it was a very, very good, good <laughs> very, very good joke to get. Um, and it was through talking to Joe that um, I discovered that there was a whole network of uh, secret um, stand-ups who were XDC fans. And uh, one of the articles in the XDC Bumper Book, uh, which is actually my favourite of the articles, uh, involved comedians talking about their favourite XDC songs. And one of those comedians was our next guest, uh, Stuart Lee. How are you doing, Stuart? Great. Thanks for having me on this. Uh, it's nice to see everyone. Yeah, it certainly is, yeah, and yeah. It, it, and it was because my daughter overheard Stuart talking to Joe about XDC in the Stand Comedy Club here in Edinburgh uh, that this thing all started. So thank you, Stuart, for that. Um, Stuart was once described as a third-rate comedian and politically correct maggot, which is something that we all aspire to, I think. Um, <laughs> um, he's behind Fist of Fun, Leon Herring, Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle, several books, newspaper columns, and uh, Jerry Springer, The Opera. And uh, Stuart, is it true that you had a backstage visit on one occasion from Andy Partridge himself? No, what happened? It was about 15 years ago. And I think probably someone on the screen now is responsible for this. But I was doing, when I was sort of getting going again after a five-year layoff, I was doing the Really Little Arts Centre in Swindon. And I did my sound check about four o'clock. And uh, I walked out into the street. Um, and someone was on the opposite side of the road, sort of waving at me on the other side of the road as if they'd been waiting for me. So I crossed over and I went, are you Andy Partridge? And Andy Partridge said, yes. He said, yes, and I've come to find you. And I was really puzzled by it because I'd never met him or, or been in any kind of contact with him. But I had worn 
um, this XTC Whitehorse of Uppington T-shirt on TV somewhere, I think. Um, so I don't know exactly how I am. I think Paul might have been responsible in the middle there. But then he took me off for tea and I had a sort of, and I was able to ask all those um, questions that you want to ask. It was sort of in the, about the, the missing years and what he was up to now. And um, so, yeah, it was a strange, a strange moment to be, to, to think that's Andy Partridge looking at me. And it was, and he'd actually come to find me. So, uh, yeah, great. Fantastic. Sounds really good. Um, other members of this clandestine comedy network include our next guest, who is Paul Putner. Welcome, Paul. Uh, um, uh, Paul is a limelight reader of old and as well as working with comedians, including Johnny Vegas and Richard Herring and pretty much every every comedian in the business and doing his own one man show, which uh, a few of us XTC fans went to see last year called uh, Paul Putner's Embarrassment, Me and Madness. That's the group, not the affliction. He also has some nice connections to XTC. Uh, Paul, what is your claim to XTC fame? Oh, right. Well, um, I, I had a mole at the BBC years ago and I wanted to collect as much uh, video footage of XTC as possible. And I had uh, Ian Greaves, a, a good friend, uh, and uh, Louis Barth. They got me VHS tapes, but that wasn't enough. So I had this friend who worked, uh, who could get into the archives at the BBC, and she managed to uh, collect all this stuff. And uh, although for the first day she was doing it, she realised uh, that she was recording everything by 10cc. <laughs> But she managed to get me uh, uh, this compilation of XTC stuff, and it was the old grey whistle tests and, uh, and the Swindon, uh, one of the uh, local TV shows, Viewpoint, I think it's called, and, and all these little gems. And Tommy Walsh from Pugwash and Duckworth Lewis Method, who i become friends with, uh, was uh, working with Andy and, and mentioned this. And, and the next thing I know, I'm making copies of the copies for XTC, who are a band I've adored for most of my adult life. And uh, because this is all before YouTube, you have to remember. So it was like gold dust. And uh, and then I remember Andy ringing me on holiday out of the blue, uh, just saying, oh, you've not seen this before. We were always on tour. We not, we, none of us had video recorders. So yeah, pre-YouTube fun. But yeah, and then I uh, Tom Walsh got me to meet them a few years later or a year later up in Swindon and we had a curry and it all got very messy but yeah it was it was good yeah that's my XTC claim to fame I've seen I've seen the pictures and they do and it does look messy yes <laughs> um, th thank you thank you Paul <laughs> Stuart looks like he wants he wants to add something yeah just uh, Paul, uh, Paul had mentioned that Swindon TV show Viewpoint right and it is absolutely amazing it's, it's all archived on the internet now. It was really early days of uh, sort of local television, like uh, uh, public access television. And people that don't really know how to present television introduce things on it. There's loads of clips of local Swindon bands on it, all of whom, show, a lot of whom anyway, show a massive um, XTC influence because obviously they were really, it's really, it's something fans would really be interested in, I think, if they can find it. And weirdly, uh, Roger Mann, who Kevin went on to do a double act with in the 90s, his band, Cats, are on there doing two numbers. And Roger is one of the stilted, awkward um, presenters of, um, of it. And there's an XTC clip on it. And it, it gives you um, a flavour of what, of what Swindon's punk scene was like uh, generally. This sort of um, regional town cut off from the uh, 
the epicenters of of this of this movement. Uh, and and uh, you know it explains it really gives a a context for XTC. It's great in lots of ways. But anyway, I'll stop now. I just thought I'd flag that up because it's all there and you can find it viewpoint. Yeah, and I think it's probably pretty rare for any city to have or town to have a, a, an archive like that of, of from a particular era. So yeah, it's, it's definitely worth. Uh, rooting around all of that stuff. Um, Ke- uh, Kevin on, Kevin Eldon is our next guest and has been mentioned by a couple of people already. Um, he was also in the Bumper Book article. And uh, hello, Kevin. And Kevin's credits include one of Andy Partridge's favourite shows I discovered just recently, um, Hyperdrive, plus Brass Eye, Knowing Me, Knowing You, with Alan Partridge, 90, 90 Night, I knew I couldn't say that, Big Train, not to be confused with Big Big Train, Game of Thrones, and his own sketch show, It's Kevin. He also won an episode of Celebrity Mastermind where his specialist subject was the Beatles and he got 11 points and no passes. So, Kevin, leading question, are you one of those fans who sees XDC as a latter-day Beatles? Well, um, first of all, very nice to be here. Thank you. Um, And let me actually just undermine my uh, victory uh, on the Beatles in Mastermind because the level of questions, difficulty-wise, were not much different from what was John Lennon's name. <laughs> so I'd done all this swatting up on, you know, who played the the harp on She's Leaving Home, and they were just giving these questions. But um, Latter-day Beatles, no, no. And, and I show my pants to those people for their lazy reductionist views, uh, which will surely lead them straight to hell. And the XTC were never a Latter-day Beatles because they were, and still are, present-day XTC. I think um, musically they forged their own identity. And, and I think if you look at what was going on around them musically when they were going full steam, they were always at odds with what was the general trend or trends of the time. Um, and, and it seems they never had the temptation to sort of tailor their music to align it with those trends, you know, to flog a few more units, get themselves a yacht and all that. Um, so musically, I, I see the 80s, when they did the, the, the majority, I suppose, of their output on the commercial side as being a time of fat synths and plastic soul and lyrical banality. And, and on the other side, you had the sort of, I'm the artist, there was sort of almost willful non-accessibility or other po-faced pretentiousness. But they, they didn't go either of that side. Um, they ploughed their own furrow, as it were, mucked out their own pigsty. But having said that, you can identify general elements in XTC. I think the Beatles had originality, they had versatility, huge versatility, love and melody, they had wit, emotional honesty, um, superb musicianship, obviously, and all under the banner of magnificent songwriting. I think all good bands have those elements as far as my personal taste is concerned. So Latter-day Beatles, no. I wouldn't say so myself. But some people will probably say yes. Damn them. Thank you. You get 11 points out of 11 for that and no passes. And um, that brings us on to our final and our best dressed guest of the evening. It's Andy Miller. Welcome, Andy. Um, Andy taught himself to read with copies of Limelight. I remember that. And he now reads about seven books a day, I think. And you can see many of them behind him. Um, He's the author of The Year of Reading Dangerously, which um, was about that very act. Um, He also did 33 and a Third, The Kinks Are the Village Green Preservation Society, and Tilting at Windmills, which was a book about doing crazy golf. And he has also worked with many comedians, including some of the people here, plus Charlie Brooker, The League of Gentlemen, Sasha Baron Cohen, and current Arthur Strong. So, Andy, you've hung out with a lot of comedians, and you've also hung out with a lot of XTC fans. Do you think it's just coincidence 
uh, that XDC attract a lot of the most interesting comedic minds. Uh, well, thanks for uh, having me on the panel. Um, I think the thing about XTC is, which is really uh, interesting, a bit like the Beatles, actually, Kev, is that they are funny, right? They're funny in interviews. Uh, they certainly were the, 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 the sort of 79, 80 lineup of the group. Is that they, they were really funny. I can remember reading them in Smash Hits or, or the NME or, or, or Sounds or whatever. And when they published that, uh, 11 Different Animals, which is the sheet music book of the singles, they pad it out with photos, but also with loads of extracts from their interviews because they're, they were really funny people. The distinction is that in the, on the records, the records aren't funny, but they are witty. So they're funny in person, but that they make music that is that is certainly lyrically is very is very witty. And I think writers and comedians like the uh, like the thing that XTC do, which is the pursuit of an idea or a concept or a conceit. So that if you know if you were to say to yourself, "I'm going to take like an ant heap." Or, or a firework, or a snowman uh, uh, as a metaphor or an image, what are the various, how far can I push that? And if, if, and can I then make a variation on it which twists it on its head? And I think as songwriters, Andy and Colin are both really, really good at that. And I can't think of other songwriters really who, who take that idea, you know, and you can also feel with, with with both of them that when they've got that little germ of an idea that's also the thing that then begins to 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 grow the musical idea as well so i i think um people like those gathered around me virtually probably respond to that actually uh uh not not primarily but it's something that kind of it's the it's the the grit in the in the in the oyster you know and the tunes that's the other thing. Tunes. Comedians like tunes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joe, I'm just thinking that um, you and actually Kevin as well use music as well as, you know, in, intermingled with your comedy and you also do lots of sort of arts and crafty sort of thing. Do, 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 is it all seamless for you, the whole whole division between, is there a division between music and, and anything else that you might do? Well, I was reading that book, um, Complicated Game, where um, Andy Partridge gets interviewed about his songwriting and it was really interesting and also there's a really great interview um, with Andy Partridge talking about the process of learning how to do a new creative thing and, and it was really really similar to how I started which is to copy the people you love um, you know in your own bedroom not on stage and uh, not in the bedroom sorry I was in a bed sit at the time but in your single room copy the people you love and um, and then make it you have and then your own voice starts to come out and you make it your own and I, I did exactly that I um, just immersed myself in loads of female comedians and monologues from the 20s to the 70s so not really anything you know at the time you know what I mean not my contemporaries and that's exactly what Andy Partridge did according to this uh, book and um, so yeah yeah, in that way the creative process is really similar and I really really love banging on about music and analyzing the music process because it's really similar but without having to see other comedians blow their own trumpets <laughs> <laughs> by the way I'm a bit crazy I'm, I'm very lonely at the moment and I'm drinking chamomile tea and wine so this is like self-medication I'm sorry if I'm a bit weird <laughs> That's perfectly acceptable. Um, uh, 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 Kevin, are you in a similar sort of situation when you've when you've used music and comedy? Do they do they naturally fit together? I don't, 
I don't know the point of drinking chamomile tea and wine. They just cancel each other out, and they just have some water. <laughs> kind of like, um, well, I I tried to be um, a pop star before I tried to be a comedian. So as soon as uh, from sixteen onwards, I was in bands and I was always interested in uh, in songwriting and and music. And uh, when I got into comedy, if I could uh, if if I could plonk in a bit of my former would be career, I, I always would do. And um, so I've done it on the radio show. I did it in the telly one. And, and if anyone else ever wants me to join in musically wise, uh, I'm always first in the queue. Can I come in on that, though? Because you're, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of what became your comedy in the music you were doing. I don't know. You, people might be able to find them on the Internet where there's two John Peel sessions of Kevin Spann knocking around. And um, one. well, there's well, what have I got? Then? Why have I got eight tracks then? Why have I got um, eight? I, I have no idea at all. Right. You know more about it than me, Stuart. Well, there's the time. I've got some of the times, and I've got Virginia doesn't as well. Oh right. Oh okay. Well, the time the, the time one isn't a John Peel one. Right, the Virginia okay. doesn't one is. Yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, on them, there you did. Oh, you did six tracks for Peel, didn't you? You did six yeah, tracks so. in the session, and um, there are there are bits in amongst uh, what is a very good power poppy sort of um, uh, you know seventy nine eighty a punk. There are. There are funny elements to the point where after one track, John Peel says, I hope it isn't going to be all sub Kenny Everett whimsy tonight from Virginia. Does. <laughs> so there was, but the comedy's in there. And also in Oliver Gray's book about um, the uh, punk scene of the South Coast volume, he talks about how funny you specifically were on stage when you used to go and see your band. I don't know if you know that. Well, that's that. Yeah, that's nice of Oliver. But we used to, yeah, we used to do a couple of little comedy songs. I'm not sure they've uh, worn too well uh, in the last forty years. And uh, and especially when we had residences at places, then just to keep it all lively, we'd have to get a bit of comedy going. And I, I, I do. I suppose it was proto stand up then, and uh, and get the band in to do sort of sketch type stuff as well. So so it kind of informed earlier days, and earlier days informed things as as they tend to do. But that's upsetting. The uh, prospect of having uh, five or four and a half comedians in in, in the room uh, was too tempting for, for not to have a <laughs> not to have um, a bit of a quiz. And this, this is a series of quizzes we're going to have over the next um, half hour or so called "Never Mind the Buzz City Talking." And, and Paul can claim the uh, cr- credit for coming up that one. "Never Mind the Buzz City Talking." Part one is a series of Black Sea quick fire questions. Black Sea being forty years old and one week. Uh, right today. Um, and I'm going to start with a question for Joe. Uh, there is no wrong answer here, but Joe, did you have a portable entertainment centre? I did have a Walkman, but because I'm deaf in one ear, I had a choice between hearing the lead singer singing solo or just the backing track. 10 points. Kevin, are you tired of being in the shade? I actually don't know what that means. That's all right. Uh, you still get 10 points. Stuart, is it true that sometimes relationships don't go as planned? Yeah, well, my relationship with this quiz hasn't gone as planned because XTC, uh, Black Sea is my favourite XTC album and I've only been able to identify what one of the questions relates to. <laughs> Good. Another 10 points for you. Paul, do you have or did you have a watch with a radioactive glow? Uh, no, but I had a, a 007 watch, a digital watch, that played the um, during uh, Ian McKellen's uh, Hamlet speech at the end of his one-man show in the West End. <laughs> it was you. That is a classic. 
the classic Paul Putner type story that is. <laughs> and final final question of this round, Andy, do you show anybody else your wage? No. There's been a big movement in in uh, 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 the book world of people uh, revealing what they were paid for books, but it's like a it's like a, 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 a comparison of tiny amounts of beans with other tiny amounts of beans. So no, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, and I can tell Joanna doesn't believe any of these questions come from any of the lyrics in in Black Sea. <laughs> Kev has suddenly had an answer. Well, Mark, can you can you actually can you fill me in on my ignorance? Yeah, yeah. So, Portable Entertainment Centre is from uh, Respectable Street. Uh, Tired of being in the shade, generals and majors are tired of being in the shade. Uh, Relationships don't go as planned. Is Sergeant Rock middle eight thereof? Uh, Watch with a radioactive glow is. I can sing it. <laughs> um, your your watch won't be the only thing with a radio. Go and living through uh, another Cuba. living through another Cuba, and don't show anybody else your wage is um, earn enough for us. Is it? Um, no. Thank you. We'll we'll come back to these answers. <laughs> Andy's looking paper and iron. Paper and iron. Sorry, 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 sorry. I get, I get, I lose all the points that you just gained. Um, we're going to go into a song at the moment, but uh, we the the song is very appropriate because it is by Fossil Fools, a performance uh, of of uh, Centres Working Overtime, and Fossil Fuels Fools used to ha- uh, members of it used to be in Ecstatic, and at least four of the people here used to be big fans of ecstatic and uh, are now fans of fossil fools uh, what memories do you have i'll start with Stuart. what memories do you have of going to see ecstatic i never i never saw xtc obviously i'm too too young for after they quit playing live and when, when you were saying earlier um do you think lots of comedians uh, like xtc they may do but partly most of us know each other and um and so we sort of influenced each other and i'd I'd kind of, I liked XTC as a teenager, but they'd sort of drifted from my, from my memory almost during the inactive period. And uh, I toured a lot with Kevin and knew Paul, and they both got me listening to them again. And then we went to see, we started going to see um, uh, Ecstatics whenever they did the Camden Falcon. And they were absolutely, the, um, not the Camden Falcon, the other one, but they, they were absolutely fantastic nights. And it actually really changed the way I thought about the band because I'd always, I had remembered them as this, um, post-punk uh, band cross with a Beatle, Beatles-type 60s um, influences. And then when you when you saw um, Ecstatics doing it, you realise the complexity of it. There's sort of prog elements in there, all kinds of really amazing things going on. I think they were fantastic um, ambassadors for, for the band. The Dublin Castle, Paul says, where Madness Wolf did their first residency. But, um, yeah, I mean, they were. it was really great. And I don't think I've ever enjoyed a tribute band as much. And it's partly because you knew the... You weren't going to see uh, the real thing, and and also to see a group um, playing things that were never meant to be performed live anyway, and were probably acknowledged by their creators as too difficult to to do, and actually being done really well. So yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I can remember going to that gig at the Dublin Castle with Stu, and Stu about halfway through it turning to me and saying, "Do you ever get that thing where you think you're an individual, but then you go to a thing and you realise you're only one of a group of people?" But that, that, uh, what he means is, I think, you know, I can remember seeing with, I think, Paul uh, uh, ecstatic at the Hope and Anchor, 
and they played a load of stuff from Black Sea, appropriately enough, to this evening. And I never got to see XTC. And first of all, like Stu said, Ecstatic were really brilliant at making it come alive in the room. But also you realised how that version of the group, that, that mean touring version of the group, those songs really, really work in a, in a live context. I could just remember totally losing my voice because everybody in the room was singing along. You know, it was fantastic. That was a fantastic night. And I know last time I saw Fossil Fools was that you, you got this sense of being in an alternate universe where these songs had all been hit singles and everybody knew them because everybody in that room did know them and they all sounded like hit singles. But of course, it was only within the scope of that room that that was, that was um, even vaguely true. Um, Paul, have you got similarly good memories? So, uh, sorry, Stu, do you want to come in there? Oh, I was just going to say that's the weird thing about listening to it again is what Kevin said about them being between... Uh, they're in an era where there was lots of um, shiny pop music and lots of very alternative music. And they were in the middle, and you and you listen to it again. You think, why aren't they in the pantheon in the way that um, that Blur are when they've got such a more, much more significant in many ways, not in terms of economics, but in terms of what they what they were a- able to do. And I just suppose it really is that they weren't able to be out there capitalising on it. I'll get off. It's Paul's. Yeah, but I, th- I, th- I think Blur would agree with you that <laughs> with that as well. That um, there's a, a very big debt there, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, XTC. Stop playing live I, on my birthday, March 1982. So I gather, and I never got to see them as well. So when eventually uh, I was aware of it, ecstatic. I mean, I was just uh, on, on cloud nine. It was just. I remember going to those gigs with most of these people here, and, and but dancing like a loon. All this kind of pent up. Oh, at last. I can bounce around to living through another Cuba or, or you know, Sergeant Rock is going to help me. It, they were, it was fantastic. And, and yes, I think I agree with Stuart. The ecstatic were more kind of raw, uh, more like the, the original light. And then Fossil Fools opened it up a little bit more, I think. And uh, it, they're just fabulous gigs. Yeah. Fantastic. Anything to add there, Kevin? Yeah. Well, Paul doesn't. Paul only dances like a loon. He doesn't. He never dances sedately. But I, I saw both of them, and um, and I, I thought I was taken by how much like the Beatles they said. No, I thought that uh, <laughs> what got me about them was that you don't you don't busk an XTC song. You, you you don't just squiz the chords and go through it once or twice because they're, they're tremendously complicated and. You know, not always, but a lot of them are. They're quirky. They they have arrangements and they have key changes and timing changes and all that. And these guys were just taking it and and doing it really well, sort of technically, and then also delivering the actual performance uh, of the song as well. So uh, no mean feat. Very impressive. Brilliant. Well, that's a perfect cue for for Joe Turner to press press play and we'll have uh, Fossil Fools playing Senses Working Overtime, a song that you might have heard. What do you call that noise? I think that's us back on again. The seamless technical uh, skills here. Um, Andy, uh, Sense is Working Overtime, an important song for you? Yeah. Um, well, what only a disingenuous XTC fan would say it isn't an important song. <laughs> only, only a sly one would claim that it isn't like a brilliant moment. 
I can remember, did Peel introduce them on top of the pops? Can any of the people on this, did he did he refer to them as those Swindon mop tops? I've got a, like a... That's they, possible. Arguing against you, Kev, from the past. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that, Peel, that Peel introduced them on the show. And uh, I mean, I really loved making plans for Nigel and I liked all the singles from Black Sea, but I can really remember that that sense of them broaching the top 10 uh, being a real moment. Yeah, a real, still. And what the middle eight in that record is absolutely incredible, or the middle 12 on the English Settlement version. Just spectacular, isn't it? Yeah, it strikes me as the the, the one song um, that I'll, I'll come to you, to uh, the, the one song that if you wanted to recommend the quintessential XDC to anybody, it's got a, a very melodic chorus and it's got weird verses and every time I hear that song I think those verses are very 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 weird and as you say then it's got that amazing middle eight and uh, although the band's material is too diverse and all over the place to actually choose one song I think it comes about as close as any as you can say to to being the perfect blend of everything that they do is that something you were going to say Stuart? Well, it's got. It's also got this weird. When, when I was a kid and I heard that, I thought, "Oh, this is a good, happy song." And you listen to it, and you get older, and it stays with you all your life because it's about this sort of profound idea that um, experience and what makes life uh, living worth living is not necessarily always positive or negative, and that there, there is all those things mixed together. And that song has all these conflicting images of pleasure and pain and good things and bad things all mixed in. They're all part of um, the, the, the sensory experience of life. It's a sort of like a pop, an LSD song, like a, a 60s song as well. And as much of it, 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 it sort of has these um, very visceral sort of images of smell, touch, sense, senses and tastes and whatever. But I mean, I was funny if I had it on the, in the car today with my nine year old and I, was, I, found my, I found myself like some awful sketch of a middle aged rock dad. But talking about how it did embody that dichotomy of, of, uh, of life, even though it sounds like like a pop song. And there's something sort of very sad at its core as well, even though it's a jaunty, upbeat thing. I remember it on top of the pops. I remember thinking it was on the same week as a group, I think called, as a group sang a song called I Am The Beat and I Go On. I can't remember what it was. Sort of one-off pub rock kind of band that had a hit. And I remember liking that and thinking how much better XTC were and having an innate sense that they were much better, but not really knowing why. And it's taken me about 40 years to work that out. I think that I am the beat song is going to be my earworm now. You've just yeah. put it back into my head, having having yeah, yeah. expunged it at some point in the past. <laughs> all around the world, the people know my name. I am the beat, and I go on. That's what it was. Who were they? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't find out, Paul. The look. The look. Oh yeah, the look. That's right. Yeah, you get an extra ten points for that. Well done. Let's have another um, quiz round. Never mind the Buzz City talking part two. Uh, this round is called Cast Away on a Desert Island Discs. And uh, the idea is I'm going to give you two songs or two things. and uh, You are allowed to bring one of them to a desert island and you have to leave the other one behind. You have to throw the other one in the street, in the, in the street or in the sea. Um, Joe, I'm going to start with you. You can bring Helicopter or Complicated Game. Which one do you take and why? I think I'll take Helicopter. Helicopter, because I chose Complicated Game for the book and I listened to it so many times. Um, I think I'd take Helicopter because it's um, like nothing else I'd ever heard when I first heard it. And uh, it's one of my favourite album tracks on that record. Um, yeah. I'm not very good at remembering exact things. So I'm you, gonna yeah, you, yeah, you can dance a lot as well on a desert island. I think it, you might want to get... Uh not one to get too morose on that desert island, depending on the, on the island. Um, Kevin, you can bring Burning with Optimism's Flames 
or no language in our lungs. Cool, that's a tough choice. That's a tough choice. Those are two hot, high moments. I'd almost, it's so, I couldn't possibly choose. I, I might actually go Optimism's Flame because, uh, because there's just something magnificent about that all the way through. Are we finished with Census Worker over time, by the way? Are no, we, you can throw a bit more in there if you like, an extra bonus, well, a bonus round. I, I was just saying, I think I'd have to do that, but it's a mean, mean thing to make me choose that. Also, the look, I am the beat. I think the the um, the gimmicky thing about was about that was at the end, the record stuck. So it just went, I am the beat, I am the beat, I am, and it would go on forever. So if you were at a party and got drunk and fell over, that was it. You were psychologically mashed for many years afterwards. Um, the census work over time, I'm just going to say, it's the best air drummer's a wet dream in the world because after one, two, three, four, five, Mr. Chambers does these fills. And if you're an air drummer, you know, and you get them all right because he changes them a bit, including the one where it's just one foot up on the hi-hat. You know, you've won and you're the king of uh, air drummer. And also I've always thought you can change the lyrics um, to uh, to reflect the American administration at the time. Pence is working overtime. <laughs> Sorry, that was worth it. And um, I never knew that the lyrics were trying to tell the difference between goods and grime, turds or treasure. I never knew that that, that was that, turds or treasure. I think that should be a go-to phrase for every Vox pop from now on. Excuse me, madam, Brexit. Is it turds or treasure? Uh, <laughs> Facebook, turds or treasure, right. Um, anyway, I, you know, I, I absolutely love that song. It's a perfect little pop gem. But uh, my choice is um, uh, Optimism's Flame, but actually still I'm sneaking in language. Yeah, the thing is, you'd want to be cheery on a desert island, but um, you could nobody could hear you anyway on the desert island, so it wouldn't really matter that you had no no language. So um, another, you get about twenty five points there, and Joe is going to come back in uh, with an extra point of order. I've got, I've got a regret about choosing helicopter. I'm going back to a complicated game because uh, I love that song so violently, and I can't dance or listen to XTC in company because I mime. I don't know if everyone else does this, but I mime every instrument that's getting my attention at that moment. <laughs> so it's terrific to watch. It's worse than any of the horrible comedy I've ever done on stage. Okay, well, we'll wrench it out of the sea and give it back to you. Uh, and uh, Stuart, your choice is between No Thugs in Our House or Yacht Dance. It would definitely be No Thugs in Our House uh, because. One of the reasons that I like XTC is I remember hearing Andy Andy uh, Partridge interviewed by um, uh, Dave, David Jensen, I think, on on Radio One on the evening show, and explaining with with passion and clarity exactly what that song was about. And it was about he, he explained it as being about how um, uh, the the far right were able to infiltrate uh, ordinary families by um, choosing um, to. Uh, influence vulnerable boys, you know, and um, and he was very worried about um, fascist imagery in sort of neuromantic movement and post-punk people wearing long leather trench coats and stuff like that, and um, and 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 it seems like he really he really felt and cared about um, about about that whole issue, and he managed to get it boiled down into um, a pop song, uh, and it was it wasn't a song that was like um, a crass song where people were screaming at you and frightening you away, much as I love those. And it wasn't really trite like uh, either, but it was just, and he, and he came at it from a sympathetic point of view of the parents. And um, I mean, also, I suppose, weirdly, that there's probably never been a time since where a song like that's more relevant than it is now. Uh, you, you look at the, this new book that's come out about the incel movement and whatever, and how these people are 
manipulated and sucked in. So I'd really have to take that. Plus, that's my second favourite um, XTC album, uh, English Settlement. And uh, uh, that, that was the time that I first got into them. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was great. But I think, I think it's a, a, br- a brilliant song now. I, um, I love the quality of his voice on it, where it goes from a sing-songy voice into an animal snarling kind of voice and back again. So I have no hesitation in choosing No Thugs in Our House. Fantastic. That is the correct answer. Well done. Um, I didn't tell you that these uh, questions were going to get harder. And Paul, you've got a very one, hard one here. You can bring either One Step Beyond by Madness or Drums and Wires by XTC. Oh! What are you trying to do to me, man? Um, do you know what? I would probably uh, take Drums and Wires. Not to be diplomatic, uh, it's because I think, um, a bit like the specials, the second album I think is far better than the first album, and I think absolutely by Madness is better than One Step Beyond by Madness. So I'm going to take Drums and Wires because I would never have got into XTC if it wasn't for the album and that single. Uh, which was my entry point into XTC. So on that point alone, it has to come with me to the desert island. And you get to stay till the end of the quiz. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. And um, uh, um, Andy, the, 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 the quiz is staying hard. Your choice, I'm afraid, is between the kinks are the Village Green Preservation Society and English Settlement. I can hear Paul Putner. That's making it worse. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I tell you what, could I have side one of the Village Green Preservation Society and side four of English Settlement? Uh, I suppose you could because they're separate. Well, at least one of them separate, yeah. I can't do this without either Big Sky for the, on the Desert Island or Snowman. I've got to have both those. So I'm I'm compiling my own version of that album. The Kinks are the English settlement. XTC are the Village Green Preservation Society. Is that okay? Yeah, I think well, I think we should. Yeah, that's another twenty-seven points for you as well. Well done. Um, and at the end of that round, everybody's winning. Well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> Um, oh, well, actually, could, we could just um, do one final thing because you are on a boat, and I'll give this question to Joe. It's another cruel one. Um, everybody's starving. You're on the boat. You're not going to survive. You can eat one person. Who do you go for? Andy Partridge, Colin Moulding, Dave Gregory, Terry Chambers, or Barry Andrews? Probably Colin Moulding because he looks delicious. <laughs> Perfect answer. Perfect answer. <laughs> We're running into the, the final ten, 10 minutes of the question. I feel of the whatever this is, the podcast, and um, we, I, I'm, I'm feeling we should be taking... Um, taking requests at this point, but um, maybe we're not. Um, Has anybody got any uh, hilarious and or even just sort of straightforward anecdotes that they would like to make up, either true or false, about XTC? Paul has. Right. Okay. I went to see uh, the Fossil Fools up in Swindon uh, some years back. And in the bar, I met this fella. He was in his 50s. And he said to me, you know what? I'm Nigel. I, I'd met Colin. Um, we used to, well, I see him knocking around, but back in terrible accent, see him knocking around, uh, you know, back in the days. And 
And I did go and work in British Steel, and I had very demanding parents. True or false? Paul, can I can I ask what yeah. did the, what did the man look like? The Nigel man. He he just looked like a, a middle aged man in a bar. Uh, Grey hair, quite rugged, ruddy face. Did he look like he was happy in his world? Uh, no. <laughs> did he? Did he like to speak? And did he love to be spoken to? Spoken to. <laughs> okay. Good. Paul, uh, did he smell of gas? <laughs> <laughs> did he fall over onto a cardboard box and roll around on the floor? What, That's Liverpool? a reference to the no. video. No. Paul. No. Paul, yeah. did, he, did he get someone else's trousers off a fence and take them home with him? Shut up! I'm going to say it's true. I'm, 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 I'm showing my hand. I, I say it's true because the weirdest things happen to Paul Putner. Yeah, I agree with them. I say true as well because it sounds like the most normal thing that's happened to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll throw in a false, but you've got a, you've got a four to one majority of, of true. Okay, um, the answer is it's true. Oh, yes. it's eert. Yeah, but it probably wasn't because I think he was uh, trying to grab a little bit of glory because he could see there was lots of XTC fans. But he was called Nigel. He worked in British Steel. Then shortly after that, I met Ian Senses, who was doing double shifts. No, doesn't matter. No. But (laughs) I I, I did meet a guy who claimed he was Nigel. Over to you. Well, it looks like over to to Kevin, I think, here. Okay, uh, true or false, true or false. In the late 80s, my uh, musical associate, uh, Martin uh, Bird, who was in Virginia Doesn't at the time, um, he answered an ad in a music equipment magazine to buy a second-hand Tascam four-track portable studio. And when he turned up at the address he'd been given, the door was opened by none other than Colin Moulding. True or false? Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. That sounds utterly plausible. I think it's, um, I think it, it's quite prosaic. <laughs> Which of course, XTC always always embraced the mundane, so it could be true. Can you tell us anything more about the uh, the, um, four track recorder? Did it did it function? Functioned perfectly well. He had it for some years before he moved on to better technology. Did it did it have a tape in with with revealing musical material? It didn't. No, there were no hidden troves. I think Kev is uh, is playing a classic swerve and uh, that the four, the Tascam four-track actually belongs to Dave Gregory and not Kelly, Colin Moulding. Joe? <clears throat> um, I think it's um, false. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> I agree with Joe. False. false. I don't uh, think Kevin looked excited by the story. I've seen Kevin tell exciting stories before and he gets more animated than that. I think he was playing it too cool. I was reading his body language. <laughs> I'll go for true. When the door opened, it was, in fact, the lead singer of The Undertones, Spurgle Sharkey. So it's false. Uh, 
And 77 points for you there. That's That was, uh, yeah, very well played. That's true. <laughs> uh, if, if anybody else has an amazing story or true or false to tell, uh, we, we could squeeze another one in before we have to finish. And it looks like Andy's got something to, to reveal. Uh, in the year 2000, 20 years ago, I attended a, an Edinburgh show, a children's only show by the comedian Simon Munnery in which he performed senses working overtime, encouraged the children to join in, and then as soon as they did, corrected them. <laughs> Is that true or false? How did he correct them? He would say, no, and then he would stare them out. Right, weirdly oh. enough, I drank cider in a park with Simon Munnery yesterday. <laughs> and... That's true. That is true, not false. And he didn't mention it, so I'm saying false. Okay. Good reasoning. I'm, I, I, I'm saying it's, I can imagine Munnery going, yeah, but is the world football-shaped? Is it? So, yeah, true. I, I, didn't, I don't remember seeing it, and I obsessively tried to see everything he did. So I, would, I would have pretended to be a child to get into that, so I don't think it is true. Yeah, I don't think it's true either, because um, I, I think he's more gentle than that with fair. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I don't think he'd do that. I've got the same reasoning as Joanna that uh, yeah, that even Simon Munry wouldn't be that cruel to a child. <laughs> so it's two false. So it's two true and three false, right? It is true. Simon Munry does that to children. He did it twenty years ago. I don't know if he still does, but it, it was and it was really funny, <laughs> but <laughs> but mean, but funny. And it was senses working overtime. Very good. Well, um, everybody's a winner. Thank you very, very much um, to to Paul. And um, I'm going to I'm reading off your names and I'm trying to call you Luke and Joe McLean and all these other uh, these wrong names. But uh, to Stuart and Kev and Andy and Joanna and Paul and um, thank you for fantastic. And thank you. Um, continue to have a great time on the uh, at the XDC virtual convention. The XDC podcast is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon, who include Pink Things, Humble Daisies, and Nights in Shining Karma. And you can find out more about that at Mark. Fisher, uh, patreon.com Mark Fisher or something. Uh, and thank you for all those people for keeping us going. And if you'd like to read my books, uh, uh, which feature these people here, or well, this one does anyway, um, uh, the XDC Bumper Book of Fun and how to, and no, that one, what do you, what do you call that noise? Uh, they're available at um, xdclimelight.com. A very, very big virtual clap for all our guests. Thank you very much. I've had a good time and um, I'm sure everybody in the world of XDC-ness has as well. Thank you, everybody. What do you call that noise?